the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies. Strategies will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FinRed Civic and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Have you looked at the calendar lately? How can we actually be past the middle of October already? It, <laughs> it's the 21st of October. What happened to the whole month of September and the first half of October? It seems like only a couple weeks have passed since Labor Day. Soon it will be Halloween and November 1st, and I'm not even ready for Halloween yet. It's certainly a wake-up call that we only have a few more weeks to complete any outside projects that we'd like to get done before winter comes. As our days get shorter, our weather in this changing season has lived up to the changing part of the name. Uh, we've had a beautiful, we've had beautiful days where the sun shines and shows us uh, how beautiful autumn can be. We've also had cloudy days. They're not beautiful, but still fine, and we've had rainy days. When it rains for more than two days in a row, we have to remind ourselves that it's basic. it must be good for the trees. It must be good for something. But we still have to wish that it would stop already enough. Whenever the weather, whatever the weather may be, we can take some time this weekend to check on what's happening and how it impacts us and try to keep our plans and our our finances in order. This week, the world's attention continues to focus on the approaching war between the uh, Israel and the, the terrorist organization, Hamas. Uh, this started with uh, uh, the terrorist attack on Israel, October 7th. That was approximately two weeks ago. And the uh, sneak attack resulted in the, the death of approximately 1,400 
uh, Israel's soldiers and civilians and the kidnapping of uh, approximately uh, 200 people. Following the terrorist attack, the Israeli government has declared war on Hasbas and uh, is preparing to send their army into the densely populated Palestinian Gaza region to destroy them and rescue the kidnapped hostages. The greatest concern in this situation is the uh, the confrontation could result in a humanitarian disaster with uh, the terrorist organization keeping Palestinian civilians between them and the Israeli attack force uh, that'll consist of tanks, artillery, and infantry. Uh, the world's concern that the humanitarian disaster will lead to an expanding confrontation that could involve anti-Israeli militant groups from Lebanon and Syria, and that could even expand to involve uh, whole nations in the Middle East, like Iran and uh, Syria getting involved. So uh, the world got a preview of how these uh, humanitarian uh, disasters can play out when Tuesday night an explosion at a hospital in Gaza killed hundreds uh, with uh, Hamas blaming the attack on the Israeli airstrike. The Israeli military said it was caused by a rocket fired by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, another militant group based in uh, Gaza. Uh, That conclusion was supported by the U.S. Defense Department analysis of radar and video and Hamas uh, telecommunications. The initial story led to demonstrations against Israel in Europe, the United States, and the Middle East as the world reacted to videos of death and destruction of civilians. And investors reacted to the geopolitical pressure as uh, equities in Europe, the U.S., and Asia fell on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So, uh, in addition, aside from the Middle East crisis, Global markets have been whipped around in recent weeks by climbing treasury yields and growing worries about the interest rates staying higher for longer. Now, according to Bloomberg article, at the Economic Club of New York, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, uh, he sat down for, for a fireside chat with Bloomberg's David Weston who's the host of the Wall Street Week, and suggested that the U.S. Central Bank is inclined to hold interest rates steady yet again at its next meeting at the end of this month. That'll be October, uh, well, the last day in October, the first day in November. He's leaving the possibility of another hike open in case of uh, further signs of resilient economic growth but as it stands now, it, it looks very likely that Chairman Powell and his colleagues will skip hiking rates for, uh, for this next meeting. So there will be uh, two meetings that they've uh, uh, skipped in terms of uh, raising the rates. And the Federal Reserve Chairman said, quote, given the uncertainties and the risks and how far we've come, the committee is proceeding carefully. And we'll make decisions about the extent of additional policy firming and how long the policy will remain restrictive based upon the totality of the incoming data, the evolving outlook, and the balance of risk, unquote. The chairman's key words in his his presentation or his fireside chat were that persistent changes in, in financial conditions you know, as we've seen by the surge in the, the longer-term bond yields, can have implications for the path of monetary policy. In other words, higher yields uh, make it easier for the Fed to avoid uh, further hikes in overnight rates. So uh, the fiscal financial conditions are getting wrapped up in a, a monetary policy. Crucially, 
Uh, he also dwelled in the possibility that monetary policy operates with a, a long lag and uh, refers to the way that interest rates tend to take a year or more uh, to have an effect on the economy. Uh, given the fast pace of the uh, tightening, he said, there may still be meaningful uh, tightening in the pipeline. He continued, there's no precision in our understanding how long these these long lags really are. So since the last federal open market committee meeting, job growth, uh, growth has unexpectedly re-accelerated. Uh, retail sales have uh, defied predictions of the slowdown, and various measures of prices have offered inconsistent signals as to whether inflation is on track to guide down to 2% or not. So, uh, per Chairman Powell, uh, we are attentive to recent data showing the resilience of the economic growth and the demand for labor, uh, additional evidence of uh, persistently above-trend growth or that tightness in the labor market is no longer easy. Uh, that could put progress uh, on inflation at risk and could warrant further tightening of the monetary policy. In addition, Powell, during the Chairman Powell, during the question and answer session with Weston, added, I think the evidence is not that the policy is too tight uh, right now, uh, but it's uh, not the short term interest rates that investors are worried about and watching. It's the longer-term rates, such as mortgages, uh, that matter more, and these are much less sensitive to changes in the uh, Fed funds. Uh, they are driven by long-term factors, and as we've seen, uh, traders see ample reason to let yields rise farther, and uh, Chairman Powell uh, indicated that uh, they're revising their view about the overall strength of the economy and thinking even longer term that it may require higher rates. Uh, when asked why traders are pushing yields higher, uh, he said there may be heightening focus on fiscal deficits. In other words, a fiscal deficit for uh 2023 that ended that that fiscal year ended at the end of uh, September uh, two weeks ago. Uh, there, the that particular deficit ended up as I think 1.7 uh, trillion dollars. So it could be these uh, long-term treasury rates may be going up because of the uh, fiscal deficits, or they may be going up because of the quantitative tightening, or by that we mean that the Federal Reserve did buy uh, a lot of bonds during the COVID situation, and now they've been unloading these bonds. Uh, they're both treasury bonds as well as mortgage-backed secure securities from Fannie and Freddie. They've been unloading them to the tune of something like, I think, $95 billion a month uh, for the past several months. So what you have there is a big supply of, uh, of bonds coming on the market. If you recall, the uh, there was a time for several months uh, in the around June uh, time frame where uh, there was a standoff between uh, the uh, in Congress as to whether the Treasury could go out and and uh, sell more bonds. That was a matter of the uh, uh, Treasury was up against the uh, the debt ceiling, so the debt ceiling had to be revised, and they postponed it and got rid of it for a couple of years. So they could essentially sell more bonds. So since June, the federal government has been uh, pushing the bond market, and I think they're, they're on, on schedule to 
sell something like a trillion dollars worth of bonds uh, since June, between June and uh, the end of this year. So when you get that much uh, supply uh, of bonds that are hitting the market, plus the bonds that the Federal Reserve is selling, and uh, it basically overwhelms the uh, demand, and what you end up with is that the yield of those bonds begins to go up. And if you take a look at the yield curve, the yield curve being interest rates versus uh, maturity of the bonds, just about all the uh, the bonds or bills or notes for the Treasury are around 5%. Uh, even the short-term ones and even the, uh, the long-term ones. So uh, what you're seeing there is that uh, those rates are rising. The expectation a year ago was that uh, uh, the short-term uh, interest rates would fall, uh, being driven by the uh, Federal Reserve reducing the federal funds rate, but that didn't happen. What we have at right now is that the Federal Reserve is going to keep the short-term, the overnight rates in place. And that basically controls the uh, the one-year, the two-year bills, treasury bills. Uh, it doesn't have any control over the 10-year or 20-year bonds. So uh, what you're looking at there is that the, uh, uh, the large number of bonds is basically uh, coming to market. The selling them uh, is driving up the uh, yield for the longer maturity bonds. And basically, uh, that is helping your, your, uh, uh, the, the, when those interest rates do go down in the future, that'll be helping the, uh, bond, your bond portfolio. Perhaps critically, while Powell seemed to think that the higher yields meant that there was less need for another hike, he, uh, Seems very relaxed with the idea that uh, uh, he can soon, he will need soon to try to push longer term yields downward. So uh, he, he, he didn't accept that as a, a Chairman Powell had no intention of trying to drive those rates, those long term rates down. Uh, he gave a number of explanations for the rise, such as like a I just talked about the budget deficits and uh, indicated he stressed that the budget deficits are basically on an unsustainable path and uh, and they indicated that higher long-term yields, as far as he was concerned, uh, would mean less need for the Federal Reserve to hike the interest rates. Um, but he stressed that he wasn't... Uh, uh, blessing any particular level of longer-term uh, rates. Instead, he said that the policymakers uh, would let the uh, rise in yields play out and just watch what's happening. Uh, part of that is the, the independence of the Federal Reserve from the government, and the Federal Reserve is supposed to be in charge of, of monetary policy and not get involved in fiscal policy, like bond selling and things of this nature. Uh, otherwise, the, the, the uh, Federal Reserve would lose its aura of, of uh, independence if it tried to organize or tried to manipulate the long-term bond yields to fit the needs of the uh, government in terms of selling bonds. And Chairman... Uh, indicated that it's appropriate to have a little humility uh, because few people are confident they can understand what's happening with regard to those uh, long-term uh, treasury notes. Uh, right after, or day after uh, uh, Chairman Powell's uh, presentation at the Economic Club in New York, uh, former Secretary of Treasury uh, Larry Summers addressed the rise in the long-term treasury rates. And he basically indicated that, hey, uh, markets are repricing uh, long-term 
bonds, and it's basically uh, the U.S. deficit is raising uh, rates, and uh, they're trying to sell a whole lot of long-term bonds. And because of the large deficit and its impact on the bond yield, uh, over the weeks, you've been seeing that over the last four weeks, and that the uh, have the yield curve for the longer term bonds has moved up. And uh, he indicated that the uh, Federal Reserve is going to have to address that at some time in the future. And if we take a look at basically what's the, the status of the economy, the economy is still strong, even as the Federal Reserve is asked to slow it down. Uh, corporate bonds are in good shape. The long-term uh, treasuries uh, have come up in in uh, a yield. Uh, in fact, the ten-year treasury uh, touched almost touched ten uh, almost touched five percent uh, this week, and it closed on Friday at what four point nine two four percent. And uh, so it's it's getting close to that five percent. In fact, just about all the uh, the bonds, the short term bonds, the uh, uh, the five year, the ten year, the twenty and thirty year, they're all uh, up in that close to that five percent region. So, well, so what you're seeing is that the yield curve is uninverting. Un- you know. When this whole thing started, the high or the uh, the short maturity bonds or notes increased up to above five percent, and then the the long term rates stayed down around four uh, percent. But now the long term bonds are moving up to that five percent region, and uh, uh, the expectation is that uh, uh, the the yield, ter- yield curve will return to its old old, old look where uh, uh, the shorter maturities had the lower interest rate and the longer maturities had the uh, higher interest rate. So apparently we're moving in that direction. And, uh, and just in summary of what's happened this week in the in equities market, this was a down week for global equities everywhere, in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Uh, the catalyst for the uh, equity retreat appears to have been the increased fear of a widening Israeli Hamas military engagement due to a deadly explosion at the Gaza Hotel compound. Uh, oil prices went up, equities went down. In the United States, the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones, the Industrial Average, the Standard and Poor 500, and the NASDAQ were all down for the week. In the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week, while in uh, the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX was down. Well, the stock uh, 600 Europe was also down for the week. And in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down for the week, while in China, Hong Kong's Hang Seng was down for the week, as well as the Shanghai Shanghai Composite. They were all down for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 33,127.28, and it was down 1.61% for the week. The Standard & Poor 500 closed at 4,224.16, and it was down 2.39% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 12,983. 0.81, and it was down 3.16% for the week. So basically, you take a look and say, okay, 
in the big picture, uh, our economy is strong, and it seems to be even getting stronger. If you take a look at the manufacturing sector, the manufacturing sector, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show in terms of industrial production and capacity utilization. Uh, the uh, industrial production is uh, slowing down a little bit. Uh, we'll hear from uh, the uh, Philadelphia Federal Reserve as well as the uh, New York Federal Reserve in terms of manufacturing in those sectors. Uh, the the uh, housing, uh, new home construction is really taking a beating uh, because of the uh, and the interest rates, the mortgage interest rates, are basically up into the uh, uh, seven point. I think it's around seven point seven uh, percent. But we'll get to that later in the show. And uh, so the economy is uh, slowing down because of what the Federal Reserve is doing in terms of increasing the interest rates. <clears throat> but it's still uh, not slowed down to the point where. It's even approaching a recession. It's just uh, a little bit lower than uh, it ordinarily would be. And uh, so what we're seeing is a strong economy, a strong labor market, uh, and a uh, a stock market that kind of got surprised with this uh, uh, terrorist attack uh, in the in the Middle East and uh, Israel's reaction and uh, the possibility of uh, more confrontation. President Biden went out there and uh, visited Israel uh, Tuesday of this week and uh, uh, tried to put the calming influence on uh, uh, Israel's uh, need to uh, settle the score, so to speak, with Hamas in Gaza, uh, the concern was that uh, it would end up as a, as a uh, uh, humanitarian disaster. Uh, we'll see how all that works out. There's a, apparently a package that's being put together that's worth about $100 billion that uh, uh, looks at providing uh, money for the uh, Ukraine, uh, I think it's about uh, $61.4 uh, billion. Uh, money for Israel, $14.3 billion. And uh, uh, humanitarian assistance that would go for uh, Ukraine as well as Gaza. And that's $9.15 billion. So uh, there's that package that uh, uh, they're going to try to get through worth about $100 billion to take care of uh, Ukraine and uh, uh, Israel and uh, Gaza and also the uh, southern border. Uh, the southern border, I forget how much that was penciled in for. Uh, border operation, $6.4 billion. So uh, we'll see what happens to that. And, and I'm just looking at a very tight summary of that. And I, it doesn't really give me a good picture of how long that money is supposed to last. So, But it's all part of what's happening in the big picture and what's happening in our picture in terms of uh, the financial planning as far as attending to uh, your goals, uh, uh, be it uh, getting started in life or starting a family or uh, keeping up the standards, uh, standard of living for the family in terms of uh, schooling and education and everything else and uh, then preparing for retirement. Uh, that's a total. That's not a totally different subject, but it's a much more 
a complex subject than what's happening in the big picture. And our own financial plan, uh, we do have control over that. That's the the, the biggest uh, 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 advantage to that. We make the, you can make the decisions, and it, it's not like uh, you have to read about it in a newspaper as to what countries are doing and what the nation is doing. So, to me, uh, you develop a financial plan. It meets your goals. And you uh, use it as a roadmap to uh, get it started, um, get money for the down payment for the house, uh, uh, get a. Uh, you want to start a family? Uh, who's going to stay home? Uh, uh, how how are you going to assess uh, how much you're going to save, put away? for those future goals and milestones that you have in mind. So that comes out that comes out of your financial planning. It takes time to put it together, but it's well worth the time and the money spent to do that. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. That's one 1-888- Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle hums. Welcome back to Get Rich Show. This is your host this morning, Jim McAuley. Uh, well, we talked about uh, what's happening in the world, and, and uh, it seemed to revolve around the uh, uh, the Middle East. Uh, but uh, if we take a look and say, hey, what's happening closer to home? Uh, one of the things we look at is, uh, um, you know, home sales. And according to the National Association of Realtors, existing home sales in September, and that includes uh, single-family homes, townhouses, condominiums, co-ops, that slid 2% uh, uh, from uh, August uh, to a seasonably adjusted annual rate of 3.96 million homes sold in September. So year over year, sales have dropped 15.4% in September, according to September a year ago. According to the National Association of Realtors Chief Economist, Lawrence Young, quote, uh, as has been the case throughout this year, limited inventory and low housing affordability continues to hamper home sales. And what he's talking about, low uh, housing affordabilities, is basically the interest rates are going up and the uh, housing prices are going up. So when you actually sit down and take a look and say, well, how much is this house that I love going to cost me? Why it's going up by the month? So the Federal Reserve simply can't keep raising interest rates in light of a softening, this is, this is uh, Lawrence Shun talking, uh, 
the Federal Reserve simply can't keep raising interest rates in light of a softening inflation and a weakening uh, job gains. If we take a look at the big picture here, a persistent home sale problem has been the limited number of homes for sale. And the total housing inventory registered at the end of September was up 2.7% from August, but down close to 8% from a year ago. And unsold inventory uh, for sales sits at a 3.4-month supply at the current sales price. So that should be more like, uh, you know, five or six months rather than 3.4 months. And the home prices continue to increase. Uh, the median existing home price for all housing, single-family, condo, uh, co-op in September was $394,300. And these are national numbers. Uh, uh, and in, this was an increase of 2.8% uh, from September of 2022. At that time, it was 383500 Now it's 394300 So, And uh, all four regions uh, posted price increases. And by regions, uh, the report that's put out by the National Association of Realtors, uh, they break it into Northeast, Midwest, uh, South, and the West. And... And just about all the all the regions are seeing price increases. Uh, Lawrence Young continues, uh, and he's concerned about the rising uh, prices. And quote for the third straight month, <clears throat> home prices are up from a year ago, confirming the pressing need for more housing supply. So he's been. Lawrence Young has been talking about the housing supply for the last two years, and uh, uh, this inflation situation has really slowed down in in, uh, housing in terms of the costs are going up, up, and up, and the uh, Federal Reserve, with its tightening, has caused the the long-term rates to go up, too. But even with price increases, uh, homes are still moving quickly. Uh, For instance, properties typically remain on the market for 21 days in September, and that's up from 20 days in August. And uh, uh, 69% of the homes that were sold in September were in the market for less than a month. And uh, first-time home buyers, they're still in the market. Uh, first-time home buyers are responsible for about 27% of sales in September, and that's down from uh, 29% in uh, August. Uh, the the uh, and of course, mortgage rates continue to increase. According to uh, Freddie Mac, uh, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage uh, averaged. Uh, uh, 7.57 as of October 12th, and that's up from uh, 7.49 the previous week. And uh, but if I look at another, uh, what is it? The Mortgage Bank, uh, uh, Mortgage Banker, Mortgage Bankers Association. <clears throat> the current 30-year mortgage is at 7.7 percent. So. Uh, one case is 7.57, the other case is 7.7, so uh, it's up there. Uh, Now focusing on the single-family homes, single-family home sales uh, slipped in September. Uh, They're down uh, 1.9% from August and 15.8% from uh, uh, September a year ago, the median existing single-family home price was three hundred ninety-nine thousand two hundred in September, and that was up two and a half percent from September a year ago. 
existing condos and co-op sales in September were down 2.3% from August and down 12.2% from one year ago. And the median existing condo price was $353,800 in September. And that was up 6.8% from the, uh, the prior year. Year, And if you take a look at those four sections of the, the country and uh, the Northeast, the Midwest, uh, the uh, South, and the West, what you see in the Midwest is the existing home sales uh, declined 4.1% from August to September, and they were down 18.4% from one year ago. And the median price in the Midwest was $293,300, and it was up uh, 4.1 or 4.7% over the last 12 months. If you look at the Northeast section, the sales were up 4.2%, uh, but and that was one month uh, of sales. But if you take a look at 12 months of sales, they're down 16.7% in the Northeast. And the median price there is $439,900. And basically, the price increase over the last 12 months has been 5.2%. If we take a look at the South, we see that sales are down 1.1%. In September, and 11.7 percent from a, a year ago, and the median price of the uh, existing home for sale is $360,500, and that is prices up 3.1 percent uh, from a year ago. And if we look at the West, we see that the sales in September were down 5.3 percent. And uh, in one month, and that the sales from a year ago were down 19.3%. The median house price in the West is $606,100, and uh, the change is uh, the the median price went up 1.8% over the past year. So, indeed, it's, uh, it's it's a case where uh, basically the home sales, existing home sales, uh, let's see, existing home sales are year over year, they're down 15.4%. Uh, and uh, month over month, they're down uh, 2%. So in those median uh, uh, sales prices, they're getting sky high. So uh, at $394,300 for September. That's up uh, 2.8% uh, over the year-over-year price increase. So uh, if we take a look at uh, uh, new home construction, new home construction is also being battered uh, by those high interest rates. And new home construction has been slowing since the mortgage rates increased from their low of 2.7% in early 2021 to 7.7%. That's according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development keeps track of new home construction in their monthly, monthly new residential construction. Uh, report and this one's for September, and the report shows that the start of, uh, of new homes uh, in September increased seven percent uh, from August, and the increase is mostly due to uh, an increase of seventeen point one percent in multifamily home starts in September. So the starts of multifamily homes. It's been the main support for home builders in the second half of uh, 2022 and early 
2023. And if you can compare starts, uh, home where they're starting to turn over the dirt, uh, comparing starts to a year ago, starts for new homes are down, uh, down 7.2% from a year ago. And, uh, uh, starts for single family home sales are up, uh, 8.6%, uh, uh, while multifamily home starts are down 31.5% from September a year ago. The demand for new home construction is being driven by basically a lack of existing homes for sale. And according to the latest numbers from the National Association of Realtors, there's about three months supply of existing homes for sale, uh, where that should be uh, uh, five or six months of uh, inventory. And uh, what's happening, what's restricting the homes for sale is that uh, people refinanced uh, their mortgages when the mortgage rates interest rates were less than 3%, and now they're sitting on the uh, 3% mortgages, and they they don't want to get involved in uh, uh, losing that 3% and taking on a 7.7% uh, mortgage. So what you're looking at in, in terms of starts in uh, uh, September versus uh, August, in one month, the starts for the single family were up 3.2%. The starts for the multifamily were up 17.1%. And if you take a look at uh, over a 12-month period, the starts, the starts for the single family were up 8.6%, but for the multifamily, they were down uh, 31.5%. So... In that case, uh, over this past year, uh, the number of new starts was down 7.2%. Uh, so what we're seeing is that the, uh, in the case of the starts uh, for the single family, if we just take a year to date from January through uh, September, what we see is that the starts for the single family homes we're down 12.8% uh, versus uh, uh, the, the year to date for 2022. Uh, the multifamily starts were down 10%, 10.0%. And overall, uh, the starts for uh, housing, both the multifamily and single family, were down 12.1%. And to, just to give you an idea of the actual of the actual housing units we're talking about, in 2023 uh, there were 707,500 homes started, single-family homes started, whereas in 2022 there were 811,800 uh, single-family homes started. That represents a decrease of 12.8%. For multifamily, it was uh, in 2023, they started 360,100 homes. And for 2022, they started 400,000 homes. So it was a 10% uh, decrease. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. And to give you an idea, you know, the, the housing, uh, construction as well as sales of housing are down, and that's principally driven by the uh, high mortgage rates. Uh, 
and from what we've seen before in terms of the big picture uh, review, uh, those mortgage rates might stay up there uh, for quite a while. In other words, basically what we saw was in the, the start of this uh, uh, inversion of the yield curve, the short-term interest rates went up and the long-term interest rates, uh, they kind of stayed down there. And now what you're seeing is now the uh, long-term interest rates are coming up uh, so that all the interest rates, long and, and short maturities, are basically somewhere around 5%. So uh, that drives the, uh, uh, the mortgage rates even higher. So uh, for me, it, it's, it's going to be there for a while now. So. And uh, if we take a look at other things other than just uh, housing, uh, we can take a look at uh, retail and food services. And the Department of Commerce uh, publishes their report, and they advance monthly sales for retail and food services. Uh, uh, it increased, uh, and the U.S. rose for second month in a row, indicating increased uh, 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 prices and for consumers and expenditures and the value of overall retail purchases increased seven-tenths of one percent in September. And, uh, and that's after they increased eight-tenths of one percent in August. So, and if we take a look and we say, okay, retail sales, uh, in uh, September, increased to $704.9 billion. And that was, as I said before, up seven-tenths of 1%. And uh, uh, from 699.9. And basically, retail sales include sales of goods at bricks-and-mortar stores, as well as online uh, sales that doesn't include services such as insurance, insurance or health care or housing costs or haircuts or things of that nature. But what, we're, what we are seeing is that retail sales were up seven cents of a percent in September from August, and uh, auto dealers were up 1.1 percent. Uh, uh, electronics and appliances were down. Eight tenths of a percent. Gasoline stations were up nine tenths of a percent. Uh, general merchandise stores were up four tenths of a percent. Non-store non-store retailers were up one point one percent. And food and drinking places were up uh, nine tenths of one percent. And if we take a look at industrial production and capacity utilization. What we're seeing there is that the, in September, uh, industrial production was up one tenth of a percent uh, from September a year ago, but up uh, three tenths of a percent uh, from August. And the uh, capacity utilization uh, increased uh, to 79.7 in September from 79.5 in August. And where durable goods manufacturing was up four tenths of a percent uh, from August and up four tenths of a percent from a year ago, the, the big numbers were uh, wood products up uh, 2.4% in one month, uh, primary uh, metals were up 1.5%, aerospace and transportation nine tenths of a percent. So. Uh, basically, you're seeing industrial production at the at the national level pick up, but you're also seeing at the local level, you're seeing some decreases in manufacturing. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. I found a love for me. Darling, just dive right in 
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. The spell of beautiful weather that we've been having lately. How much I love October. When the sun shines on a beautiful yellows and crimsons and scarlets, uh, leaves from the chestnuts and the oaks and the maple, could anything be more beautiful? Most of the farmers were on my way and their crops out of the fields. It was exciting to see their huge machinery and all their activity, but now it's quiet over the land. And the beauty of nature makes me stop and relax, and I guess become a little philosophical. I was looking at a magazine recently and read an article that struck a chord with me. It went this way. I've learned that no matter what happens or how bad it seems today, life does go on, and it will be better tomorrow. I've learned that you can tell a lot about a person by the way they handle these three things in life. A rainy day, a lost luggage, and a tangled Christmas tree lights. I've learned that regardless of your relationship with your parents, you'll miss them when they're gone from your life. I've learned that making a living is not the same as making a life. I've learned that life sometimes gives you a second chance. I've learned that you should go through life with a Kesher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw some things back. I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pain, I do not have to be one. I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I learned that I can still have a I still have a lot to learn and I've learned that people will forget what you said, but people will never forget what you did, never forget how you made them feel. You may encounter many defeats, but you must never be defeated. Do the best you can do until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with passion, some humor, and some style. So, and so, happiness is the chance to be yourself and to find people with whom you agree or who, if you don't agree, but you feel that you can learn something and know them too. So, enjoy yourself until we meet again next week. For more of Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090 where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategy. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.